Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. Yo, this is Decatur Finest, Wicked from Ghetto Mafia. I just jumped off the porch with Dirty Glove Bastard. Chill. Came up, came down, stayed down, grinded on, stayed real, caught the clown. Took All right, so we got Wicked of Ghetto Mafia off the porch with us today, man. How you, yeah. fe- how you feeling, bro? I'm feeling good, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing I know good. me and you're going to have to ball, man. I mean... I was, I was at one point, Mike, that's why I kept asking you about your height and stuff. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I felt like I was the next NBA great to come out of the you know, city of Decatur. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? A few things went wrong. I hit the streets and stuff, but I still feel like I got it. So when I see you, it just, that burns come back, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that It comes back. Still. You know, we're about to bring a hoop back here, too. Man. So <laughs> next time you come, we're we going to have to play some horse or something, man. Mike, me and you both going to be in here, back hurting and everything. Yeah, like this. No lie, man. Yeah, man. Yep. Yes, sir. All right, so I always wanted to ask you, man, you know, you guys rep for Decatur so hard, man. Why was that important for you guys to rep Decatur and not just lump yourself in with Atlanta? It was the reason why is because at, at that particular time, we're talking the early 90s, and it, there, was a, there was a system in place. You already had kind of had uh, So So Def, which was the South Side, mm-hmm. and then LaFace Records comes, uh, bagged by Arista. Uh, everybody kind of know about, you know, LaFace Records, and LaFace was signing acts, and they wouldn't really sign an acts at that particular time from the East Side. Mm-hmm. So... As you getting outcast from you know from Tri Cities and Savannah, and uh, you getting goody mob from Southwest Atlanta, and all the different acts they were picking up, Decatur kind of was you know left out, and and it, you know it wouldn't have been a problem if we were left out if everybody if they were independent, but they were so strong and they represented so hard for the rest of the world that it's, it made us feel like this small. So I always said, man, if I get a crack, if I, you know, if I can get my foot in the door any kind of way, I'm gonna let them know that, you know, let the world know that it's, it's more than just the south side of town and what LaFace kind of had going on. That was my like, my measuring stick to try to, you know, I wanted, I wanted to get their attention to get the rest of the world say, hey, look at us, you know, we from Decatur, we from the east side, there's talent here too. So mm-hmm. it's almost like, Holding a dog, man. You got him in the fence. You know what I'm saying? You don't never let him out. You know what? You know how I go. Who let the dogs out? You open that gate, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm all over the place. You know, <laughs> I'm everywhere. So that's kind of what it was, man. You know, um, once we got our foot in the door, man, I said, you know what? If, if I don't sell one record, bruh, I'm going to let everybody know what Decatur, Georgia is. Not East Atlanta. Because people kind of mix up the two. Yeah. I'm rapping for the East Side also, but Decatur, we feel like we our own 
you know, our own little thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the backstory to that. Okay, I got you, man. So who was wicked before music, man? What were you Be- into? Be- I just told you, gave you, a, you, you know, sent a little a synopsis of it. But before the music, I was, uh, I really wanted to play basketball. That was my thing, you know what I'm saying? Physically, I couldn't. You know, I, I had the skills. You know, see, everybody know me know I had the skills, but, um, you know, physically, I, I just couldn't compete with, you know, people much bigger, stronger, can jump higher. Uh, so that was my first, first love. I actually got into rap um, by meeting this guy named uh, Big Quinn from Perry Homes. It's ironic. I'm, I'm repping the East Side so hard, and he's a Southwest guy himself. And that's who kind of put us on. He took me out to this artist uh, house uh, back in the day named Eric MC Breed. He's dead now. He was from Flint, Michigan. Yeah. And when I went out to, he took me out, he said, man, I got this um, this rapper. You ever heard MC Breed? At that time, I never heard MC Breed. I'm listening to Kilos and and Shadis and Raheem the Dreams and everything, everything at LaFace Records, TLC and that type of stuff, Jermaine, whatever he had. And so he said, man, I got this guy, MC Breed, man. He's from he's from Michigan, man. You know, you want to ride out there with me and kick him? I was like, so I was like 15, 16 years old. I said, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I never heard of motherfucker, but... I said, yeah, so I get out there and I, I come out there and I see uh, a rapper that I did know from the West Coast named the DOC. Okay. This was before Doc had them got in the accident. I knew who he was. And what's so ironic too is Kilo came a little bit later, which was like my hero at the time. You understand what I'm saying? I still joke with Kilo today. Uh, I went to one of his video shoots and I had, uh, I had one song called Take Another Look at Love. You know what I'm saying? I was suave back then. <laughs> and uh, Kilo listened to it and he was like, you know, it needs work, fella. It needs work. You know what I'm saying? I always, he out to this day, he'd be like, I ain't say that. I said, yeah, you did. You don't even need it work. But uh, I went out to this guy and see Breed House, bruh. I see the DOC. I see Kilo. And I see uh, Breed had a check on his table for $80,000. He had a song I called Ain't No Future in Your Front. You can go look, look it up and uh, he was getting ready to come out with something with Tupac, uh, I gotta get mine, I gotta get yours. So I'm saying, I'm gonna tell you about Tupac a little bit later on. I met him there too. Met a bunch of greats, uh, uh, Scarface, uh, Buster Rhymes, Bushwick Bill, Bobby Brown. All these people used to go out to this guy, Eric M.C. Breeze's house out in Canton, out in Kennesaw. Okay. So I see this guy and I said, damn, that's what I wanna do. I wanna rap. Not knowing at the time that Southern rap wasn't hitting yet. LaFace was just now getting stuff crunk up. I don't think Outkast was, Outkast wasn't out, but they were preparing everything. Uh, they were, they were doing more R&B over there, uh, with LaFace. So I said, man, I want to rap. I want to, you know, I want to rap. This man got 80,000 goddamn dollars. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, then I'm seeing artists and I'm seeing the camaraderie and it kind of, it kind of made me feel like sports, the locker room. You know, you, you athletes will tell you all the time that, they, what they miss most is the camaraderie, being with the guys. That's what it felt like when I would see the, all of them together. I felt like there was a, there was a, there was a family and I wasn't in it because I couldn't rap. So I started learning how to rap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I started writing raps, writing raps. That was all on my mind. I went back to, uh, and now at this time I'm living in Scottsdale, okay. in a, a project called Toby Grant. So I go back to the hood. I say, hey, man, I went to this guy, MC Bree house, man. This motherfucker making money. He got the big box TV. You know, the big screen, big box. He was the first one I ever see it. Matter of fact, I said, who in the fuck is inside the TV? You know, I'm still turning my TV with the little plies and, you know what I'm saying, on, on the TV. We got the hanger. You know what I'm saying? So 
I see this nigga, he got the he got the big box TV they playing, the first Nintendo, and you know, you know what I'm saying? All this stuff. I'm like, damn, this is what I want. So I go back to the hood, man. I tell these folks, I said, man, rapping is what time it is. My nigga like rap. Man, because Atlanta was dancing back then. Atlanta was was even the guys would dance. A lot of people don't know this. New Atlanta, they don't know that. A lot of these artists came from dance groups. This was back when breaking and stuff was out like that. So I tell the guy, they're like, man, you ain't going to be no damn rapper, man. I said, I'm trying to tell you, man, rappers make all the money, man. And they got all the hoes. You know what I'm saying? All the females. So I can't go to it, but they got all the females. That's what we need to be doing. So we wrote raps. We wrote raps. Now, I'm going to tell, I'm I'm tell you something. Tall. Back then, you couldn't. There was not a lot of studios. Now, you know how everybody has a studio in their house. And you know how technology is. Like, we recording right here in your, your own thing. Mm-hmm. But then you had to pay to go to the studio. So that's what kept yeah. a lot of groups. It wasn't from, digital back then. It wasn't no digital. You had, and I'm, we talking $80, $100 an hour or something with, with, at play, with real studios. You know, so that was the first thing that killed us. We got in one time and we, uh, the man was like, well, I only do 10 hour sessions. We were like, well, what is, what is a 10 hour session? You know, he was like, well, 10 hour session, you know, $100 per. And we were like, yeah, we can handle $100 for 10 hours. Everybody put in a dub. <laughs> <laughs> no, he meant 10, he meant $100 per hour. You understand what I'm saying? That was a grand. We said we had to run up out that first studio. <laughs> Gave him $100. We had to wind up running out that studio right there. So that kind of killed that. But, uh, to answer your question, man, I, you know, I got my influence and, and, and what I wanted to do from MC Breed. That was the first major artist that I ever seen. And I met everybody off of him. Yeah. You know, you guys were around pre-internet days. Man. Absolutely. It's not like, hey, we're going to record a song. We're going to film ourselves and right. upload it to the world that day. Absolutely. Talk about the hustle and the grind it took just to get people to even hear your music back then. And, and that, yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. I, I remember, you know what I'm saying, for, for it, all the old heads out there listening, man. And, and these people that I'm talking about, y'all go Google them and stuff. Uh When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Let's fast forward to MC Bree. You know, I'm, I'm starting to come out, you know, come out to this house. One thing I can say about Bree, man, is that I, out of any artist that I have ever, 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 ever met, you know, all artists, though, I do it today to some young guys. You know, they'll give me their stuff. I may listen to it a little piece of it one time. If I ain't feeling it right then, you you move to the back of the line. You may never get another listen from Wicked. You, you understand what I'm saying? Especially if I can remember that it was you. But he was never like that. So my first stuff wasn't very good. I thought it was all that. But it wasn't. But he still would answer the phone for me. You know, and uh, and I would catch the bus out of the car, kind of man, the man come pick me up. Uh, and he didn't really like my music that much, but he heard something. He 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 was he was he was a brilliant man because he understood that New York had had their run, then L.A. had had their run, and you know Midwest was having this run because he's from the Midwest, and you had Twister and them trying to come Bone Thugs and Harmony, mm-hmm. you know, so all that stuff try, trying to come up, and and he heard in our speech 
and which a lot of the country was saying we have speech impediments or we, we, we rap with a list or this type of stuff like that. He heard that there was value there. So what I was, I was, we were trying to rap like we were from the East Coast because we thought that was happening. We, we trying to do what leaders of the new school do. Uh, and you know, that time, you know, yeah, and all this old kind of crap. And he was like, nah, man. I like when y'all be doing the South, the South stuff. You used to always tell me that. Do me more raps of that right there. Stop trying to give me this, just, you know, leaders of the new school shit. Give me the, the sauce that down South stuff. And I didn't really get it at the time. So, uh, I started kind of, we started writing our raps for that man. And he, um, he, he liked it. He, he, he took us to, uh, he wound up taking us to, uh, Ichiban. Now, before we went to Ichiban, he sent me down to, uh, there was a rapper named Red Man, there was a rapper named Method Man. Uh, the older, the older guys, y'all don't know who that is. For some of y'all young ones, you may not. If you don't, go look it up. So he sent, uh, Eric Sermon, which was a part of EPMD, he had a rim shop down here back in the day. Yeah, I think it was on Marietta Street. So Bree calls me. He says, look, bruh, uh, I want y'all to rap for, for Eric Sermon. I said, Eric Sermon? Eric Sermon, Eric Sermon? Like, yeah, EPMD Eric Sermon? Yeah, I'm listening to this guy. I know every word that he's ever, ever said. So, so I'm already nervous as hell. We get down there. Uh, by this time, it's just me and Nino, because we started with seven of us, but by this time, it's just me and Nino. And once we get down there, Nino, who uh, raps with me, is Nino and Wicked, he's from the Virgin Islands. So all the stuff that was being written back in the day, I was writing it because I was from here. Nino wasn't really a rapper. He used to do patois and chant. Oh, wow. So, so that's how, that was our chemistry. I could shine with him because everybody else that I started with, they wanted to rap. So I got them up out of there little bit by little bit. Nigga, what? You ate one of my fries? You ain't in the group no more. What? You ain't in the group no more. You know what I'm saying? So, but with Nino... I didn't have to, it wasn't a competition. It was more like we fit like a glove. So we down there and Nino doing, doing this thing. And then when I, my verse came in, I started rapping. I had a heavy, heavy, heavy accent. And I came with y'all, shot it on the time. And uh, <laughs> Eric Sermon walked out. Really? Yeah, yeah, he walked. It was him, Red Man, and Keith Murray. Method Man wasn't there. And, uh, Keith Murray walked out after that, and uh, Red Man is the only one stayed, just because he was high as hell. He was, he was smoking. <laughs> I don't know what he was smoking, but he was just like, "Yo, son, I'm digging it. I'm, you know, I'm cool." But when I rapped, he walked out, and so I think that Eric Sherman might have told Breeze, "Say, but well, you know, we like the guy Nino. You know what I'm saying? Because he had he had a feel of East Coast rap, but the the other guy, you know, the Wicked, you know, it's kind of he got a real big Southern draw. You know, I don't know because the South hadn't hit yet. Yeah. So I took that very, 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 very personal. Uh, of course, he didn't sign us. And so I just start writing every day, every day, every day. And that came a part of me writing Indicator and On the Grind and, you know, straight from the deck and different things like this. So you got LaFace kind of, you know, pushing everything from the south side. Then you got this man, then over here they saying Melissa's too strong. You see what I'm saying? For the south, for, for what was going on at the time. So all that combined together kind of had, you know, an energy in me that's like, I'm going to show them where I'm from and I'm going to show them that, that we, I can make it talking like this. You know what I'm saying? So that that's kind of the, the backstory to that. 
What was the first big break that you guys got there? Uh, actually, it was, it, you know, the first big break depends on what, what break is. If, 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 if it's national, it's going to be straight from the date, the third album. But we had immediate success from the first album, yeah. which was Draw the Line. Okay. Uh, we, we dropped that through Ichiban. After, after I worked on my craft, a lot of people think that, and this is with a lot of artists. That's why I respect any artist. I don't care if they're young, if you're old, if you, you know, whatever you are. I respect artists as a brotherhood between us. Singers, you know what I'm saying? Entertainers, actors, everything. If people think that Monday we became Ghetto Mafia, we say, hey, we're going to be a group Ghetto Mafia, and then Tuesday we was out. <laughs> now, this took years. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is this, this years between us. But um, um, I'd say the first big, Break was straight from the deck in '96, but we were already selling over 100,000 albums on uh, uh, Draw the Line and Full Blooded through Ichiban. So that's kind of what made Bob Johnson, who owned BT at the time, come and sign us. Okay, yeah. So what was it like working on, you know, that third project where the you kind of got a bigger budget? Yeah, you guys are able to now, do these yeah, big yeah, budget the, music videos the too. Third, and see, what was so great about Ichiban at the time, and then we're going to go up to that, Ichiban at the time was kind of running Atlanta with all the groups that LaFace wasn't signing. Hmm. So Kilo was over there. A few other, you know, groups was already kind of over there. Bree was over there. Bree had no went platinum. So he ran Ichiban. And so he kind of probably made them sign us because he had so much love for me. Uh, we was his Georgia connection. And so um, when we dropped Draw the Line, it did over 100,000. And we were, uh, Bree did a video with us, Everyday Thing in the Hood. And um, there was another song, uh, Facts of Life, that he sung on. So we instantly hit BET, Rap City and stuff, instantly from Breed. Okay. So now we're hot. So so we're already doing shows and stuff around the South pretty much. And we're we going out with 8-Ball and MJG, uh, UGK, all us kind of started together. You see what I'm saying? We all, matter of fact, we saw, you know, Pinky Square, man, whoever... Whoever make it first, get the deal first, we're going to come back and get the other one. And, of course, they never came back and got me, but that's another story, too, for off the porch another time. But anyway, man, straight from the deck, it was, it, it was, it was like night and day because even though, you know, we were selling, we were hot, we couldn't feel it, you know, and people was ripping us off for of shows and stuff because we, we still in the hood, you know what I'm saying? The label getting all the damn money, you know, uh, <laughs> From that, we didn't get in control of our music until straight from the deck. We okay. kind of learned. We learned very, 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 very fast uh, from those two albums. But we got straight from the deck. We got a budget. They flew down here the next day. They cut us over a quarter million dollars in my hand. I had it right there. Uh, and we, and it was like going to college where, you know, look, I'm not going to hold your hand. Go in there, give me the songs I need. Give me the videos and stuff I need. If you can't produce that, then I'm not fucking with you. That's how the label was. And so um, that we went in, we did straight from the deck. My partner D had came to me. He said, he said, man, we need something that's going to just be like transcending, you know, not what everybody else is kind of doing. So we recording the album. We still ain't had that hit yet. D came to me with this track and it was the Al Green. It was an Al Green track for the good times. But the track, it didn't sound like, you know how a lot of people are sampling, all they'll do is they'll take the whole song and sample <laughs> it, just it and then put a little drum up under yeah. it. It wasn't that. This guy, Boney, he had actually recreated every single instrument in the record. He was a he was brilliant. He played in a band. So Boney, he played every single thing over in that track by ear and mm -hmm. put his own 
touch on it. And so when, when, when D gave me that track, he said, man, you got to rap to this track. I held that track for about a month because I, everything that I kept putting on the track, I'm trying to rap regular. I came up in there and I'm, you know, I'm trying to, and it was either too fast or it was too slow. It just, it didn't fit like a glove. And everything I did, I always wanted to fit like a glove. You know what I'm saying? So I took, took pride in what I was doing. And so the day he said, D called me, he said, bruh, uh, that track, we, I'm going in the studio tomorrow. You, you need to be ready to drop something. You know what I'm saying? I swear, I didn't. T- when we got to, when I got to the studio, everybody was late. I was sitting out in the car, and it hit me. Uh uh. I took that. Oh that. Smoke that. And that. And then and it was going to the beat. And I said, dang, that's it right there. Now, if you notice on the song, if you listen to Straight From The Deck, the first verse and the last verse are the same because I wrote the song right there. Really? I didn't even, I couldn't even write three whole verses. <laughs> I didn't have time. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. So we just duplicated the first verse. Okay. People think that, oh, that was brilliant. Came up, came down, stayed down. Crying alone. We did it twice. Nino did it once and I did it once because I only was able to write one verse before I went in there. I went, I go in the studio and they, they, the studio deep. I said, man, I'm kind of nervous. I said, man, if I drop this right here and they, everybody look at me crazy, I'm thinking they're going to look at me crazy because nobody had ever done any two word raps like that. Everybody, I mean, you, you, we talking back in the day with Bone Thugs and Twister and D. So people, you know, you, you, you got to be spitting. And so I come in there with this little, with this, this came up, came down, stay in the reaction from it in there. And but oh my God, we to be rich. Everybody was rich. People I didn't even know was coming in. We rich. We rich. And uh, I said, damn, they, 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 they like this. They like that flow. And so after we finished the record, we took that record up to Greg Street. At the time, Aaliyah four-page letter was number one on on across the country. Mm-hmm. We took that record up there. Her and Kilo was battling back and forth. Kilo had a song called um, I think "Nasty Dancer" or some some something like that. But um, oh, "White Horse" it was one of them records. But we took that record up there, and Greg Street played that record. And ten minutes later, he was still on air. He called us. He said. 
the whole switchboard is lit up. No, everybody keeps saying that record that that uh, just went off. What's that? 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 Said it's all everybody was talking about. The record stayed number one. Oh well, well, num- well in the top ten, but number one on View on Three for sixteen weeks. Wow. Think how long that is. Three months. Three months. And uh, he said, "Man, you know, y'all got something." And Man, everybody tried to sign us for that song. Scarface came down, we was at 559, came in my dressing room, man, tried to bully me, didn't sign in the contract. Uh, uh, it, 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 it was a, and that record was that record was huge. And we stayed independent with the record. We never sold it out to a major. Now Sony did the distribution on the record, yeah. but we kept every, we kept everything on the record. And actually the record has gotten, it has stood the test of time. It, it has gotten bigger as I, I've gotten older. <laughs> I can do that record anywhere, anywhere in the country. And even if it's young kids and they never heard that record, they're going to like that record. Another thing, too, how powerful that record was, Mike, is that at the time, back in the 90s, you had Outkast. You had Ghetto Mafia. Of course, their budget was way, way, way bigger than ours, right? And we're doing these two-word raps, right? And then, you know, they, you know, big and them, and that's my guy. You know, uh, they, every, they all rapping, they spin, they this and that. Every artist that would come in the city or come after us, the TIs, the Jeezys, the Gucci's, the this, the person, well, who, who, you know, who influenced y'all? Outcast. Who influenced y'all? Run DMC. Who influenced y'all? But y'all sound like Ghetto Mafia. Every artist today that's rapping now that don't know where they got that from, that, that, that's rapping. In a bike, in a running, all this, that's. Why do you think they forget? Because the, the, the torch bearers that they grabbed the torch from us, the tips and stuff. Like we was the first one talking trap music. Anybody, you go back and listen, I ain't talking about just one song straight from the deck. I'm talking about every song. That's what we, we built it all for. I named Decatur the deck. A lot of people that live in Decatur don't know that the name, the deck, came from me. People didn't know what I was talking about. They was talking, I was talking about straight from the dead at first. That's what a lot of people <laughs> said. What are you saying in that? The deck, what is the deck? D-E-C. So the, the torchbearers that came after us, when you, when, you, when, you, when you get a baton from somebody and you, and you take off, you know, you can either... You can either take off and, 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 and steal the baton or you can, you know, or you can pass it on to the next person with a knowledge of who was behind you. And a lot of them came in with these major deals now because now we, oh, we don't open it up to they see that, you know what, this street trap gangster music, it can sell too. We don't have to just sign Arrested Development and goody mobs and, and these are my guys you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying but we don't just have to sign that and that go commercial there is a market for this type of music we show the world that, that that atlanta has a trap scene that has a market for and so now when they got these deals where the majors now ain't skeptical no more like oh there's money there and so when they go get these deals now they took props for it you know uh well i was the one i was the trap king i i we started this trap music i started this it could be i could play 15 songs in a row right here on your show with me talking about trap this trap this trap this trap you know it might mm-hmm. and you'll still have people that first started listening to music when tip came out or jeez or gucci and they'll argue down to the t 
They'll make an excuse for it. Well, yeah, he said that, but, you know, it, it still ain't really trap music. I, I remember trapping late at the stove. Had no idea, I mean, what is trap music? You know what I'm saying? Just me and my niggas supplying fiends. Broke as hell. Chasing dreams. You know what I'm saying? What, what, that ain't trap music. What is trap music? You know, so um, the artists that they would see us out and they all give us props while we out in there in my face. But then when you put a mic in front of their face, you know, they all want to claim, you know, a lot of them, they, they, they staple and they cornerstone to their whole persona was based off. I started this genre of music, which was trap music. And they had a lot and they had a lot of their fans fooled. A lot of people might think that. Uh, and this is what rap period that whenever you started listening to music or started watching basketball or started watching football, that's when it started. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So if you started watching when Michael Jordan played, he's the greatest. If you started watching when Kobe played, that's the greatest. Right now, there's kids that didn't see Michael Jordan nor Kobe play. You know who's the greatest? LeBron James. You understand what I'm saying? And you can't tell them nothing different. And whoever's going to come in the future of that, that's going to be the greatest. So that's how, that's how it kind of goes. So if you didn't, if you know, if you were seven, five, six, seven, eight years old, when I'm talking about trap stuff, even if you go back and hear it, it just doesn't resonate with you. You didn't live through it. You understand what I'm saying? Um, so that's kind of what it was, man. The guys that, you know what I'm saying? That, that, they got the torch. You know, it was, you know, they're making a lot of money off this and they argue amongst each other on who started, but I'm the real king of it and I started it. And that's just the bottom line. How does that make you feel when you see that you kind of left out of those conversations? Uh, I mean, I, I feel two different ways because uh, the industry knows and the artists, they know. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not no T.I., no G, your favorite rapper. They would sit right here beside me. If they were sitting right here today, they would tell all their fans, that's, that's, the, that's the godfather. That's, who's, that's who started it right there. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it does kind of... You know, at the same time, it stings a little bit when when you see those conversations and, and you're not a part of the conversation. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's a and that's a rap thing. And, we, and, I, and we're trying to change it. It's, it's just it's not just me. There's uh there's groups. I, you know, everybody got something from somebody. The difference in me is I never, you know, would sit here on this porch and say that uh, I'm the. You know, I'm the beginning and the maker and the creator of everything because I wasn't. You know, I, I listened to the Ghetto Boys. I got stuff from EPMD, like I told you. I'm well-rounded when it comes to music. You know what I'm saying? I got stuff from from snooping them uh, back in the day and Easy e before he died. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I took little bits from people, but I did become I did come up with a niche that no nobody else was doing, and that's that two-word play. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and if you if you find it before me, I get thousand dollars. Go find somebody that was that was doing that two word play before Get On Mafia. On the grind, straight from the deck. Go find somebody that was doing it before 1993, 94, 95, 96. I pay you. You still working on this documentary? Um, uh, on on which 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 uh, on the documentary of uh, Get On Mafia. Yeah, well, what I'm doing now is actually I recorded some yesterday. I kind of um turned it over to a partner of mine's. So what they, what we turn what we what we're turning into is an ATL chronicle. So we're interviewing a lot of the artists and stuff that hear from the city and they kinda of talking about ghetto mafia and you know what I'm saying and what's 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 going on and uh <clears throat> B High, I saw him on your show last mm-hmm. week. I wanted to kinda of get into him. He kinda, of, you know, B High's a younger guy than me. He has an old soul. And 
he, you know, he knows music well rather than music, and so am I. And so that's kind of how we clicked. You know what I'm saying? And he, he, you know, he hit me. I went on this show one day, and we got to talking about all this stuff, and <clears throat> and everything I was saying was facts. Um, we were one of the first groups. It was, Go find a group that was doing ad-libs. You know, you had Jeezy out there, yeah, and all that. See, Nino's from the islands. So they was doing a lot of reggae dance hall stuff back in the islands back in the day. So you had that boop, boop, and, you know, come again, tell a friend. And so we would. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Doing ad-libs for for, for uh, probably 99% of groups. And um, so a lot of that stuff that I hear in music today was taken from us. They didn't take straight from the deck. They didn't take on the ground. That's too, too, too obvious. They take song number <laughs> nine, song number 10. That's the song that they were biting from us and going and, and taking to the major label and saying, hey, look what I did. Now you got the blueprint from Nino and Wicked. You know what I'm saying? And it's going to be people on here that know exactly who Nino and Wicked is and they're going to check everybody that says anything other. You know, it's all about CKT. They're going to check everybody. The K to the east side, they're gonna, they already know us. It's set in stone now. But getting back to B High, man, he called me saying, you know, we got to get out here, man. We got to tell your story, man, for people like Mike that maybe don't know. And I know you do, but there's, there's people that don't around the, around the country. You know what I'm saying? And he said, you know, uh, we got to get out here and tell your story, man. So he kind of... Um, you know, extended the olive branch to me. It was the it was the best thing that don't happen to me in a long time. Started going on shows and stuff with him pretty much every week. We debating stuff now. Uh, it was supposed to be a one time thing, and it don't turn into four four months because <laughs> obviously you see I can talk, yeah. and 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 he can talk. Yeah. And so therefore we have that connection right there. So now we you know we don't even have to talk about what with me or this. We we talking about anything that's going on in the world of this. So we don't kind of found a niche for that. But he was instrumental in getting the story out there and kind of silencing a lot of the critics, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, one, the man is brilliant, the man, you know what I'm saying, he's a professor. And when he spoke on a lot of the stuff that I was saying, it kind of co-signed with a lot of his his audience. Um, I don't been on shows, man, with folks that'll, you know, they'll say, you know, privately, yeah, I know everything. I'm your biggest fan, bro. I listen to everything. Everything you're saying is true. But then they'll get right on here a week later and with an artist and, well, you know, who started trap music and be the main ones, you know, and don't say a damn thing about me. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people like to say stuff that they feel political, uh, politically correct. Oh, well, I, I, can, I don't really want to say weak. I may, I may alienate this person, you know, even though I know it's the truth. So I'm gonna tell the truth. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care. And any, and any real artist, if you telling the truth about something, he got, he has to respect that. I say, y'all on here taking up for Tip and Jeezy and Gucci and all these pro. I'll get right in this camera and say, nigga, I started everything. You know, I started, and then see them in the streets right there and eat with them. They ain't gonna, they don't say shit. Cause they real. Y'all the ones fake. If you, you know what I'm saying. And not you, but you, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not them. They know. They were like, well, I never really said that, OG. I'm just, whoop the whoop. Yeah. yeah. What's next for you, Wicked? What else are you working on? Next, man, right now, like I said, um, I'm doing, I have a podcast. It's called Wicked Truth. Uh, it's on Wicked Truth TV, one word. I'm kind of changing the game. I, I, I've, I've seen what a lot of, you know, that y'all, y'all successful people have done with the podcast game. You, the beehives, 
A couple of other ones I ain't gonna, I never named y'all competitors, you know what I'm saying? Y'all competition. But I see y'all too, man, y'all on top of your game and I'm doing something similar to that, you know what I'm saying, with the, these type of interviews, but I've incorporated a few things that are my own niche. You know what I'm saying? I got a co-host, uh, Stack. We kind of, we kind of, you know, infuse uh, this what I'm doing right now, but with a little bit of, you know, funny with it, a little bit of comedy and and not as much seriousness on, you know, kind of get a, a, a from the artist. We all kind of know what the artists are doing. If they, either we like the artist or we don't, and if we do like the artist, we know what they're doing pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as as the fans that follow that particular artist, so I want to show them stuff that, you know, did you know that this artist right here, you know, he builds houses. Did you know that this artist right here that you know he uh, he's a plumber on the side? Um, did you know that that that, that it's okay to, as an artist to to work? You know that's another thing I want to get out to you know some the young artists and even the old ones. Let me tell you something: a hustle is a hustle. I don't care how big you are in rap, uh, entertainment, anything. Unless you, you know, like I say, LeBron James, you know, made $300 million. But even Shaq still was a police. Even Shaq still went to work on that stuff. Uh, and a lot of them still work for themselves. There's, there, there's nothing better than a man getting money, making that money, make more money, and doing it with your hands yourself. So never, ever be ashamed as an artist to work. No matter how much money you got. Real shit right there. Yeah. All right, Wicked, any last words, any shout-outs before we wrap it up here today? Man, uh, you know, like I said, I want to shout-out. I'm going to shout-out, uh, you know, Beehive EJ over there, man, my team, man, little fella, the Don, man, everybody over the Wicked True TV. Y'all come over to Wicked True TV, man, see what we got. It's different. It's nothing for none of the other podcasts to be, you know, threatened by because I ain't even in the same lane that you're in. <laughs> so y'all come over, even, even, even your young viewers, man, y'all come over, man, y'all go check out Get On Mafia stuff, man. Go back, learn your history, where you come from. Don't be mad. I ain't, I ain't here to assassinate none of your character, uh, assassinate none of your heroes. You know what I'm saying? Everybody that you like, I like them too. I'm, 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 I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of rap. I'm a fan of music. And, and, and I want, and I want to give a shout out. This is my last shout out is to all the fallen artists, man, that, you know, from, 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 you know, MJ Prince. I never got a chance to say a lot of this. Michael Jackson Prince and, uh, Whitney Houston and Pimp C and MC Breed and, uh, the list goes Soldier Slim and, you know what I'm saying? The, the, uh, Tupac, Biggie Smalls, you know, the young guy, King Von, you know what I'm saying? Uh, um, uh, Pop Smoke, you know what I'm saying? Every, every, every week it seems like the, uh, the, the people of our generation are falling off now for due to, you know, maybe old age or this type of stuff because, you know, of our age. And then the young artists that are coming in are not going to even be able to make it to legendary status because y'all killing each other. Stop killing each other. Every artist is valuable. We need our artists to be able to grow. What you're doing right now at 19 years old, 18 years old, you won't be doing at 50 years old. So we need to get these artists, man, to 50, to, to 40, to 50, so they can come back and be an asset to the community, to the country, to the world. That's my last words. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. 
Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.